Chapter Six of the Joyous Adventures of Aristide Pujol by William John Locke. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Six: The Adventure of Fleurette. One day, when Aristide was discoursing on the inexhaustible subject of woman, I pulled him up. "My good friend," said I, "you seem to have fallen in love with every woman you have ever met. But for how many of them have you really cared?" "Mon Dieu! For all of them." he cried springing from his chair and making a windmill of himself come come said i all that amorousness is just gallic exuberance have you ever been really in love in your life how should i know said he but he lit a cigarette turned away and looked out of window there was a short silence he shrugged his shoulders apparently in response to his own thoughts then he turned again suddenly threw his cigarette into the fire and thrust his hands into his pockets he sighed perhaps there was fleurette he said not looking at me that wasn't her real name it was marie josephine but people called her fleurette she looked like a flower you know i nodded in order to signify my elementary acquaintance with the french tongue the most delicate little flower you can conceive he continued tiens she was a slender lily so white and her hair the flash of gold on it and she had eyes des yeux de pervenche as we say in french what is pervenche in english that little pale blue flower periwinkle said i periwinkle eyes my god what a language ah no she had des yeux de pervenche she was diaphane diaphanous impalpable as cigarette smoke a little nose like nothing at all with nostrils like infinitesimal sea-shells anyone could have made a mouthful of her ah cred nom de chien life is droll it has no common sense it is the game of a mountebank i've never told you about fleurette it was this way and the story he narrated i will do my best to set down the good monsieur bocardon of the hotel de la curatier at nimes whose grateful devotion to aristide has already been recorded had a brother in paris who managed the hotel du soleil et de l'ecosse strange conjuncture a flourishing third-rate hostelry in the neighbourhood of the halle centrale thither flocked sturdy britons in knickerbockers stockings and cloth hats teutons with tin botanizing boxes for lunch transportation and american schoolmarms realizing at last the dream of their modest and laborious lives accommodation was cheap manners were easy and knowledge of the gay city less than rudimentary to m bocardon of paris aristide one august morning brought glowing letters of introduction from m and madame bocardon of nimes Monsieur Bocardon of Paris welcomed Aristide as a Provençal and a brother. He brought out from a cupboard in his private bureau an hospitable bottle of old Armagnac and discourse with Aristide on the seductions of the South. It was there that he longed to retire, to a dainty little hotel of his own with a smart clientele. The clientele of the Hôtel du Soleil et de l'Ecosse was not to his taste he spoke slightingly of his guests there are people who know how to travel said he and people who don't these lost muttons here don't and they make hotel-keeping a nightmare instead of a joy 
a hundred times a day have i to tell them the way to notre dame Pouah! said he gulping down his disgust and the rest of his armagnac it is back-breaking to say mon vieux cried aristide he had the most lightning way of establishing an intimacy i have an idea these lost sheep need a shepherd eh bien said m bocardon eh bien said aristide why should not i be the shepherd the official shepherd attached to the hotel du soleil et de l'ecosse explain yourself said m bocardon aristide letting loose his swift imagination explained copiously and hypnotized m bocardon with his glittering eye until he had assured to himself a means of livelihood from that moment he became the familiar genius of the hotel scorning the title of guide lest he should be associated in the minds of the guests with the squalid scoundrels who infest the boulevard he constituted himself directeur de l'agence pujol an obfuscated bocardon formed the rest of the agency and pocketed a percentage of aristide's earnings and aristide addressed as director by the anglo-saxons monsieur le directeur by the latins and herr de rator by the teutons walked about like a peacock in a barnyard at that period and until he had learned up baedeker by heart a process which nearly gave him brain fever and still he declares brings terror into his slumbers he knew little more of the history topography and art treasures of paris than the flock he shepherded he must have dealt out paralyzing information the britons and the germans seemed not to heed but now and then the american schoolmarms unmasked the charlatan on such occasions his unfaltering impudence reached heights truly sublime the sharp-witted ladies looked in his eyes forgot their wrongs and if he had told them that the eiffel tower had been erected by the pilgrim fathers would have accepted the statement meekly my friend said aristide with provencal flourish and braggadocio i never met a woman that would not sooner be misled by me than be taught by the whole faculty of the Sorbonne. he had been practising this honourable profession for about a month lodging with the good madame bidou at two one three bis rue st honore when one morning in the vestibule of the hotel he ran into his old friend batterby whom he had known during the days of his professorship of french at the academy for young ladies in manchester the pair had been fellow lodgers in the same house in the rusholme road but whereas aristide lived in one sunless bed-sitting-room looking on a forest of chimney-pots batterby a man of luxury and ease had a suite of apartments on the first floor and kept an inexhaustible supply of whisky cigars and such-like etceteras of the opulent and the very ugliest prize bull-pup you can imagine batterby in gaudy raiment went to an office in manchester in gaudier raiment he often attended race meetings he had rings and scarf-pins and rattled gold in his trousers pockets he might have been an insufferable young man for a poverty-stricken teacher of french to have as a fellow-lodger but he was not like all those born to high estate he made no vulgar parade of his wealth and to aristide he showed the most affable hospitality a friendship had arisen between them which the years had idealized rather than impaired 
so when they met that morning in the vestibule of the hotel du soleil et de la Cotte, their greetings were fervent and prolonged in person batterby tended towards burliness he had a red jolly face divided unequally by a great black moustache and his manner was hearty he slapped aristide on the back many times and shook him by the shoulders we must have a drink on this straight away old man said he you are so strange you english said aristide the moment you have an emotion you must celebrate it by a drink my dear fellow i've just come into a fortune let us have a drink or my friend my poor old father has just been run over by an omnibus let us have a drink my good reginald look at the clock it is only nine in the morning rot said reginald drink is good at any time they went into the dark and deserted smoking-room where batterby ordered scotch and soda and aristide an abstemious man a plain vermouth what's that muck asked batterby when the waiter brought the drinks aristide explained whiskey's good enough for me laughed the other aristide laughed too out of politeness and out of joy at meeting his old friend with you playing at guide here said batterby when he had learned aristide's position in the hotel it seems i have come to the right shop there are no flies on me you know but when a man comes to paris for the first time he likes to be put up to the ropes your first visit to paris cried aristide mon fier what wonders are going to ravish your eyes what a time you are going to have batterby bit off the end of a great black cigar if the missus will let me said he missus your wife you are married my dear reginald aristide leaped in his unexpected fashion from his chair and almost embraced him ah but you are happy you are lucky it was always like that you open your mouth and the larks fall ready roasted into it my congratulations and she is here in this hotel your wife tell me about her batterby bit his cigar she's nothing to write home about he said modestly she's french french no you don't say so exclaimed aristide in ecstasy well she was brought up in france from her childhood but her parents were finns funny place for people to come from finland isn't it you could never expect it might just as well think of em coming from lapland she's an orphan i met her in london but that's romantic and she is young pretty oh yes in a way said the proprietary briton and her name ah oh, she has a fool name fleurette i wanted to call her flossie but she didn't like it i should think not said aristide fleurette is an adorable name i suppose it's right enough said batterby but if i want to call her good old flossie why should she object you married old man no well wait till you are you think women are angels all wrapped up in feathers and wings beneath their doggery don't you well they're just bloomin porcupines all bristling with objections mais allons donc cried aristide you love her your beautiful finnish orphan brought up in france and romantically met in london with the adorable name oh that's all right said the easy batterby lifting his half-emptied glass here's luck ah no said aristide leaning forward and clinking his wine-glass against the other's tumbler here is to madame 
when they returned to the vestibule they found mrs batterby patiently awaiting her lord she rose from her seat at the approach of the two men a fragile flower of a girl about three-and-twenty pale as a lily with exquisite though rather large features and with eyes of the blue of the pervenche in deference to aristide i use the french name which seemed to smile trustfully through perpetual tears she was dressed in pale shadowy blue graceful impalpable like the smoke said aristide curling upwards from a cigarette reggie has spoken of you many times monsieur said fleurette after the introduction had been effected aristide was touched fancy him remembering me ce bon vieux reginald madame said he your husband is the best fellow in the world feed him with sugar and he won't bite said batterby whereat they all laughed as if it had been a very good joke well what about this paris of yours he asked after a while the missus knows as little of it as i do really asked aristide well, i lived all my life in brest before i went to england she said modestly she wants to see all the sights the louvre the morgue the cathedrale what's its name that you've got here i've got to go round too pleases her and don't hurt me you must tote us about we'll have a cab old girl as you can't do much walking and good old pujol will come with us but that is ideal cried aristide flying to the door to order the cab but before he could reach it he was stopped by three or four waiting tourists who pointed some to the clock some to the wagonette standing outside and asked the director when the personally conducted party was to start aristide who had totally forgotten the responsibilities attached to the directorship of the agence pujol and but for this reminder would have blissfully left his sheep to err and stray over paris by themselves returned crestfallen to his friends and explained the situation but we'll join the party said the cheery batterby the more the merrier good old beanfest will there be room plenty replied aristide brightening but would it meet the wishes of madame her pale face flushed ever so slightly and the soft eyes fluttered at him a half astonished half grateful glance with my husband and you monsieur i should love it she said so mr and mrs batterby joined the personally conducted party as they did the next morning and the next and several mornings after and received esoteric information concerning the monuments of paris that is hidden even from the erudite the evenings however aristide being off duty devoted to their especial entertainment he took them to riotous and perspiring restaurants where they dined gorgeously for three francs fifty wine included to open-air cafe concert in the champs-elysees which fleurette found infinitely diverting but which bored batterby who knew not french to stertorous slumber to crowded brasseries on the boulevard where batterby awakened under a steady flow of whisky to appreciative contemplation of paris life as in the old days of the rochon road batterby flung his money about with unostentatious generosity he was out for a beano he declared and hanged the expense aristide whose purse scantily filled truth to say by the profits of the agence pujol could contribute but modestly to this reckless expenditure found himself forced to accept his friend's lavish hospitality once or twice delicately he suggested withdrawal from the evening's dissipation 
but my good monsieur pujol said fleurette with childish tragicality in her provence eyes without you we shall be lost we shall not enjoy ourselves at all at all so aristide out of love for his friend and out of he knew not what for his friend's wife continued to show them the sights of paris they went to the cabarets of montmartre the ciel where one is served by angels the enfer where one is served by red devils in a tartarian lighting the niant where one has coffins for tables than all of which vulgarity has imagined no more joy-killing dreariness but which caused fleurette to grip aristide's hand tight in scared wonderment and batterby to chuckle exceedingly they went to the bar and to various other balls undreamed of by the tourist where fleurette danced with aristide as light as an autumn leaf tossed by the wind and batterby absorbed a startling assortment of alcohols in a word aristide procured for his friends prodigious diversion how do you like this old girl batterby asked one night at the moulin de la galette a dizzying not very decorous and to the unsophisticated visitor a dangerous place of entertainment better than great coram street isn't it she smiled and laid her hand on his she was a woman of few words but of many caressing actions i ought to let you into a secret said he this is our honeymoon who would have thought it a fortnight ago she was being killed in a bloomsbury boarding-house there were two of em she and a girl called carrie i used to call em fetch and carrie this one was fetch well she fetched me didn't you old girl and now you're mrs reginald batterby living at your ease eh madame would grace any sphere said aristide i wish i had more education said fleurette humbly monsieur pujol and yourself are so clever that you must laugh at me we do sometimes but you mustn't mind us remember at the what do you call it the little shanty at versailles the grand trianon replied aristide ah that's it when you were showing us the rooms what is the empress josephine doing now he mimicked her accent ha <laughs> and the poor soul gone to glory a couple of hundred years ago the little mouth puckered at the corners and moisture gathered in the blue eyes mais mon dieu it was natural the mistake cried aristide gallantly the empress eugenie the wife of another napoleon is still living bien sûr said fleurette how was i to know never mind old girl said batterby you're living all right and out of that beastly boarding-house and that's the chief thing another month of it would have killed her she had a cough that shook her to bits she's looking better already isn't she pujol after this aristide learned much of her simple history which she at first had been too shy to reveal the child of finnish sea-folk who had drifted to brest and died there she had been adopted by an old breton sea-dog and his wife and on their death she had entered as maid the service of an english lady residing in the town who afterwards had taken her to england after a while reverses of fortune had compelled the lady to dismiss her and she had taken the situation in the boarding-house where she had ruined her health and met the opulent and conquering batterby 
she had not much chance poor child of acquiring a profound knowledge of the history of the first empire but her manners were refined and her ways gentle and her voice was soft and aristide citizen of the world for whom caste distinctions existed not thought her the most exquisite flower grown in earth's garden he told her so much to her blushing satisfaction one night about three weeks after the batterby's arrival in paris batterby sent his wife to bed and invited aristide to accompany him for a half hour to a neighbouring cafe he looked grave and troubled i've been upset by a telegram said he when drinks had been ordered i'm called away to new york on business i must catch the boat from cherbourg to-morrow evening now i can't take fleurette with me women and business don't mix she has jolly well got to stay here i shan't be away more than a month i'll leave her plenty of money to go on with but what's worrying me is how is she going to stick it so look here old man you're my pal aren't you he stretched out his hand aristide grasped it impulsively why of course mon vieux if i felt that i could leave her in your charge all on the square as a real straight pal i should go away happy she shall be my sister cried aristide and i shall give her all the devotion of a brother i swear it tiens what can i swear it on he flung out his arms and looked round the cafe as if in search of an object i swear it on the head of my mother have no fear i aristide pujol have never betrayed the sacred obligations of friendship i accept her as a consecrated trust you only need to have said right o and i would have believed you said batterby i haven't told her yet there'll be blubbering all night let us have another drink when aristide arrived at hotel du soleil et de l'ecosse at nine o'clock the next morning he found that batterby had left paris by an early train fleurette he did not meet until he brought back the sightseers to the fold in the evening she had wept much during the day but she smiled bravely at aristide a woman could not stand in the way of her husband's business by the way what is reginald's business aristide asked she did not know reginald never spoke to her of such things perhaps she was too ignorant to understand but he will make a lot of money by going to america she said then she was silent for a few moments mon dieu she sighed at last how long the day has been it was the beginning of many long days for fleurette reginald did not write from cherbourg or cable from new york as he had promised and the return american mail brought no letter the days passed drearily sometimes for the sake of human society she accompanied the tourist parties of the agence pujol but the thrill had passed from the morgue and the glory had departed from versailles sometimes she wandered out by herself into the streets and public gardens but pretty unprotected and fragile she attracted the attention of evil or careless men which struck cold terror into her heart most often she sat alone and listless in the hotel reading the feuilleton of the petit journal and waiting for the post to bring her news mon dieu monsieur pujol what can have happened nothing at all chère petite madame question and answer came many times a day only some foolish mischance which will soon be explained the good reginald has written and his letter has been lost in the post he had been obliged to go on business to san francisco or buenos aires 
eh que voulez-vous one cannot have letters from those places in twenty-four hours if only he had taken me with him but dear madame fleurette he could not expose you to the hardships of travel you who are as fragile as a cobweb how could you go to patagonia or senegal or baltimore those wild places where there are no comforts for women you must be reasonable i am sure you will get a letter soon or else in a day or two he will come with his good honest face as if nothing had occurred these english are like that and call for whiskey and soda be comforted chère petite madame aristide did his best to comfort her threw her in the companionship of decent women staying at the hotel and devoted his evenings to her entertainment but the days passed and reginald batterby with the good honest face neither wrote nor ordered whiskey and soda fleurette began to pine and fade one day she came to aristide monsieur pujol i have no more money left Bigre, said pujol the good bocardon will have to give you credit i'll arrange it but i already owe for three weeks said fleurette aristide sought bocardon one week more was all the latter dared allow but her husband will return and pay you he is my old and intimate friend i make myself hoarse in telling it to you wooden head that you are but bocardon who had to account to higher powers the proprietors of the hotel was helpless at the end of the week fleurette was called upon to give up her room she wept with despair aristide wept with fury bocardon wept out of sympathy already said bocardon the proprietors would blame him for not using the legal right to detain madame's luggage mon dieu mon dieu what is to become of me wailed fleurette you forget madame said aristide with one of his fine flourishes that you are the sacred trust of aristide pujol but i can't accept your money objected fleurette tron de l'air he cried did your husband put you in my charge or did he not am i your legal guardian or am i not if i am your legal guardian what right have you to question the arrangements made by your husband answer me that fleurette too gentle and too miserable for intricate argument sighed but it is your money all the same aristide turned to bocardon try said he to convince a woman do you want proofs wait there a minute while i get them from the safe of the agence pujol he disappeared into the bureau where secure from observation he tore an oblong strip from a sheet of stiff paper and using an indelible pencil wrote out something fantastic halfway between a cheque and a bill of exchange forged as well as he could from memory the signature of reginald batterby the imitation of handwriting was one of aristide's many odd accomplishments and made the document look legal by means of a receipt stamp which he took from bocardon's drawer he returned to the vestibule with the strip folded and somewhat crumpled in his hand voila said he handing it boldly to fleurette here is your husband's guarantee to me your guardian for four thousand francs fleurette examined the forgery the stamp impressed her for the simple souls of france there is magic in papier timbre it was my husband who wrote this she asked curiously may we said aristide with an offended air of challenge fleurette's eyes filled again with tears 
i only inquired she said because this is the first time i've seen his handwriting ma pauvre petite said aristide i will do whatever you tell me monsieur pujol said fleurette humbly good that is talking like une bonne petite dame raisonnable now i know a woman made up of holy bread whom st peter and st paul are fighting to have next them when she goes to paradise her name is madame bidoux and she sells cabbages and asparagus and charcoal at number two one three bis rue saint honore she will arrange our little affair bocardon will you have madame's trunks sent to that address he gave his arm to fleurette and walked out of the hotel with serene confidence in the powers of the sainted madame bidoux fleurette accompanied him unquestioningly of course she might have said if you hold negotiable security from my husband to the amount of four thousand francs why should i exchange the comforts of the hotel for the doubtful accommodation of the sainted madame bidoux who sells cabbages but i repeat that fleurette was a simple soul who took for granted the wisdom of so flamboyant and virile a creature as aristide pujol away up at the top of number two one three bis rue st honore was a little furnished room to let and there aristide installed his sacred charge madame bidoux who as she herself maintained would have cut herself into four pieces for aristide did he not save her dog's life did he not marry her daughter to the brigadier gendarme salle voyue who would otherwise have left her lamenting was he not the most wonderful of god's creatures madame bidoux although not quite appreciating aristide's quixotic delicacy took the forlorn and fragile wisp of misery to her capacious bosom she made her free of the cabbages and charcoal she provided her at a reasonable charge with succulent meals she told her tales of her father and mother of her neighbours of the domestic differences between the concierge and his wife soothing idle for an ariadne of the dirty thief of a brigadier gendarme of her bodily ailments her body was so large that they were many of the picturesque death through apoplexy of the late monsieur bidoux the brave woman in short gave her of her heart's best as far as human hearts could provide a bed for fleurette that bed was of roses as a matter of brutal fact it was narrow and nubby and the little uncarpeted room was ten feet by seven but to provide it aristide went to his own bed hungry and if the bed of a man's hunger is not to be accounted as one of roses there ought to be a vote for the reduction of the recording angel's salary it must not be imagined that fleurette thought the bed hard her bed of life from childhood had been nubby she never dreamed of complaining of her little room under the stars and she sat among the cabbages like a tired lily quite contented with her material lot but she drooped and drooped and the cough returned and shook her and aristide realizing the sacredness of his charge became a prey to anxious terrors mere bidoux said he she must have lots of good nourishing tender underdone beef good fillets and entrecotes saignantes madame bidoux sighed she had a heart but she also had a pocket which like aristide's was not overfilled that costs dear my poor friend she said 
what does it matter what it costs it is i who provide said aristide grandly and aristide gave up tobacco and coffee and the mild refreshment at cafes essential to the existence of every frenchman and degraded his soul by taking half-franc tips from tourists a source of income which as director monsieur le directeur herr director of the agence pujol he had hitherto scorned heartily in order to provide fleurette with underdone beefsteaks all his leisure he devoted to her she represented something that hitherto had not come into his life something delicate tender ethereal something of woman that was exquisitely adorable apart from the flesh once as he was sitting in the little shop she touched his temple lightly with her fingers ah you are good to me aristide he felt a thrill such as no woman's touch had ever caused to pass through him far far sweeter cleaner purer if the bon dieu could have given her to him then and there to be his wife what bond would have been holier but he had bound himself by a sacred obligation his friend on his return should find him loyal who could help being good to you little fleurette said he even an apache would not tread on a lily of the valley but you put me in water and tend me so carefully so that you can be fresh whenever the dear reginald comes back she sighed tell me what i can do for you my good aristide keep well and happy and be a valiant little woman said he fleurette tried hard to be valiant but the effort exhausted her strength as the days went on even aristide's inexhaustible conversation failed to distract her from brooding she lost the trick of laughter in the evenings when he was most with her she would sit either in the shop or in the little room at the back her blue childish eyes fixed on him wistfully at first he tried to lure her into the gay street but walking tired her he encouraged her to sit outside on the pavement of the rue saint Honoré and join with madame bidoux in the gossip of neighbours but she listened to them with uncomprehending ears in despair aristide to coax a smile from her lips practised his many queer accomplishments he conjured with cards he juggled with oranges he had a mountebank's trick of putting one leg round his neck he imitated the voices of cats and pigs and ducks till madame bidoux held her sides with mirth he spent time and thought in elaborating what he called bon face such as dressing himself up in madame bidoux's raiment and personifying a crabbed customer fleurette smiled but listlessly at all these comicalities one day she was taken ill a doctor summoned said many learned words which aristide and madame bidoux tried hard to understand but after all what is the matter with her she has no strength to struggle she wants happiness can you tell me the druggist where that can be procured asked aristide the doctor shrugged his shoulders i tell you the truth it is one of those pulmonary cases happy she will live unhappy she will die my poor madame bidoux what is to be done asked aristide after the doctor had gone off with his modest fee how are we to make her happy if only she could have news of her husband replied madame bidoux aristide's anxieties grew heavier 
it was november when knickerbockered and culture-seeking tourists no longer fill the cheap hotels of paris the profits of the agence pujol dwindled aristide lived on bread and cheese and foresaw the time when cheese would be a sinful luxury meanwhile florette had her nourishing food and grew more like the ghost of a lily every day but her eyes followed aristide wherever he went in her presence as if he were the god of her salvation one day aristide with an unexpected franc or two in his pocket stopped in front of a bureau de tabac a brown packet of caporal and a book of cigarette papers a cigarette rolled how good it would be he hesitated and his glance fell on a collection of foreign stamps exposed in the window among them were twelve honduras stamps all postmarked he stared at them fascinated mon brave aristide he cried if the bon dieu does not send you these vibrating inspirations it is because you yourself have already conceived them he entered the shop and emerged not with caporal and cigarette papers but with the twelve honduras stamps that night he sat up in his little bedroom at number two one three bis rue st honore until his candle failed inditing a letter in english to florette at the head of his paper he wrote hotel rosario honduras and at the end of the letter he signed the name of reginald batterby where honduras was he had but a vague idea for florette at any rate it would be somewhere at the other end of the world and she would not question any want of accuracy in local detail just before the light went out he read the letter through with great pride batterby alluded to the many letters he had posted from remote parts of the globe gave glowing forecasts of the fortune that honduras had in store for him reminded her that he had placed sufficient funds for her maintenance in the hands of aristide pujol and assured her that the time was not far off when she would be summoned to join her devoted husband madame bidoux was right said he before going to sleep this is the only way to make her happy the next day florette received the letter the envelope bore the postmarked honduras stamp it had been rubbed on the dusty pavement to take off the newness it was in her husband's handwriting there was no mistake about it it was a letter from honduras are you happier now little doubting female st thomas that you are cried aristide when she told him the news she smiled at him out of grateful eyes and touched his hand much happier mon bon ami she said gently later in the day she handed him a letter addressed to batterby it had no stamp will you post this for me aristide aristide put the letter in his pocket and turned sharply away lest she should see a sudden rush of tears he had not counted on this innocent trustfulness he went to his room the poor little letter he had not the heart to destroy it no he would keep it till batterby came it was not his to destroy so he threw it into a drawer having once begun the deception however he thought it necessary to continue every week therefore he invented a letter from batterby to interest her he drew upon his provencal imagination he described combats with crocodiles lion hunts feasts with terrific savages from the interior who brought their lady wives chastely clad in petticoats made out of human teeth 
he drew pictures of the town a kind of palm-shaded paris by the sea where one ate ortolans and oysters as big as soup plates and where chinamen with pigtails rode about the streets on camels it was not a correct description of honduras but all the same an exotic atmosphere stimulating and captivating rose from the pages with this it was necessary to combine expressions of affection at first it was difficult essential delicacy restrained him he had also to keep in mind batterby's vernacular to address florette impalpable creation of fairyland as old girl was particularly distasteful by degrees however the artist prevailed and then at last the man himself took to forgetting the imaginary writer and poured out words of love warm true and passionate and every week florette would smile and tell him the wondrous news and would put into his hands an unstamped letter to post which he with a wrench of the heart would add to the collection in the drawer once she said diffidently with an unwonted blush and her pale blue eyes swimming i write english so badly won't you read the letter and correct my mistakes but aristide laughed and licked the flap of the envelope and closed it what has love to do with spelling and grammar the good reginald would prefer your bad english to all the turned phrases of the academie francaise it is as you like aristide said florette with wistful eye yet in spite of the weekly letters florette continued to droop the winter came and florette was no longer able to stay among the cabbages of madame bidoux she lay on her bed in the little room ten feet by seven away away at the top of the house in the rue st honore the doctor informed of her comparative happiness again shrugged his shoulders there was nothing more to be done she is dying monsieur for want of strength to live then aristide went about with a great heartache florette would die she would never see the man she loved again what would he say when he returned and learned the tragic story he would not even know that aristide loving her had been loyal to him when the director of the agence Bujol personally conducted the clients of the hotel du soleil de l'ecosse to the grand trianon and pointed out the bed of the empress josephine he nearly broke down what is the empress doing now what was florette doing now going to join the empress in the world of shadows the tourists talked after the manner of their kind she must have found the bed very hard poor dear give me an iron bedstead and a good old spring mattress ah but my dear sir you forget the empress's bed was slung on the back of tame panthers which napoleon brought from egypt it was hard to jest convincingly to the knickerbockered with death in one's soul most beloved little flower ran the last letter that florette received i have just had a cable from aristide saying that you are very ill i will come to you as soon as i can ces petits jeux de pervence i am learning your language here you see haunt me day and night etc etc aristide went up to her room with a great bunch of chrysanthemums the letter peeped from under the pillow florette was very weak 
madame de doux who during fleurette's illness had allowed her greengrocery business to be personally conducted to the deuce by a youth of sixteen very much in love with the lady who sold sausages and other charcuterie next door had spread out the fortune-telling cards on the bed and was prophesying mendaciously fleurette took the flowers and clasped them to her bosom no letter for ce cher reginald she shook her head i can write no more she whispered she closed her eyes presently she said in a low voice aristide if you kiss me i think i can go to sleep he bent down to kiss her forehead a fragile arm twined itself about his neck and he kissed her on the lips she is sleeping said madame bidou after a while aristide tiptoed out of the room and so died fleurette aristide borrowed money from the kind-hearted bocardon for a beautiful funeral and madame bidoux and bocardon and a few neighbors and himself saw her laid to rest when they got back to the rue saint honore he told madame bidoux about the letters she wept and clasped him weeping too in her kind fat old arms the next evening aristide coming back from his day's work at the hotel du soleil de l'ecosse was confronted in the shop by madame bidoux hands on broad hips tiens mon petit she said without preliminary greeting you are an angel but that a man's an angel is no reason for his being an imbecile read this she plucked a paper from her apron pocket and thrust it into his hand he read it and blinked in amazement where did you get this mere bidoux where i got many more in your drawer the letters you were saving for this infamous scoundrel i wanted to know what she had written to him mere bidoux cried aristide those letters were sacred bah said madame bidoux unabashed there is nothing sacred to a sapper or an old grandmother who loves an imbecile i have read the letters et voilà et voilà et voilà and she emptied her pockets of all the letters minus the envelopes that fleurette had written and after one swift glance at the first letter aristide had no compunction in reading they were all addressed to himself they were very short ill-written in a poor little uncultivated hand but they all contained one message that of her love for aristide whatever illusion she may have had concerning batterby had soon vanished she knew with the unerring instinct of woman that he had betrayed and deserted her aristide's pious fraud had never deceived her for a second too gentle too timid to let him know what was in her heart she had written the secret patiently week after week hoping every time that curiosity or pity or something she knew not what would induce him to open the idle letter and wondering in her simple peasant's soul at the delicacy that caused him to refrain once she had boldly given him the envelope unclosed she died for want of love parbleu said aristide and there was mine quivering in my heart and trembling on my lips all the time she had des yeux de pervence un nom d'un chien it is only with me that providence plays such tricks he walked to the window and looked out into the grey street presently i heard him murmuring the words of the old french song elle est mort en février pauvre colinette
End of chapter 6